0: All right guys, uh, welcome to the fourth episode of the League Express podcast. My name's Jake Keenan and joining me as always is Martin Sadler and we have a special guest today with us. Martin, can you introduce our fellow special guest?
1: Yes, welcome Richard de la Riviera. Richard is a... Uh, a regular columnist, uh, well, a weekly columnist, in fact, with, uh, with League Express. Those people who know our uh, newspaper will know that he writes the Rugby League Heroes series of, um, of, of interviews with very famous players um, who have got a, a great story to tell. And even more important, he's actually uh, written a book uh, of, um, which is based on some of those interviews and some that he's done elsewhere, Called Fifty Wigan Rugby League Legends in Their Own Words. Richard, welcome to uh, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks very much. Yeah, it's very exciting about the book, and I'm pleased to be here. And I will just quickly mention uh, we will be doing a separate segment uh, on the book itself straight after the news here, and, and you can stream that on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we'll also have the video going up on YouTube. You can find our channel on YouTube at Total RL. Uh, and, of course, if you uh, type in the League Express podcast on Spotify and Apple, you can find it and listen to it there as well. Um, I'll quickly touch on where you can get the book as well. So it's my understanding, Martin, if you go into our TotalRL Total website. TotalRL.com website, yes. Yeah. And, and
1: Go into the shop and it's, uh, it's there. It's quite easy to find, I think.
2: Yep. I'll be at Wigan next Friday signing copies as well. So when they play Salford they will be there before the game, yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: perfect. So if you're a rugby league fan, especially if you're a a Wigan fan, I guess it's a a must-have for your bookshelf. Uh, Must-have for
1: Wigan fans, ought to have for everybody else. Absolutely.
0: And uh, there's also a number I saw on the website as well. You can call and order a copy, I believe. Um, 01484-401895. That's 01484. Eight four four zero one eight nine five to secure your copy. So that's fine. Um, yeah, absolutely. But stay tuned for that chat. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I guess we'll touch on the games over the weekend, Martin. Um, what's stood out for you? We had the relegation battle, um, which had some ramifications. Obviously, there's still four well. Or the five relegation battle left. was
1: the obvious game um, that took centre stage this week, and. Um, I thought Wakefield would probably win it after four successive wins at home, um, but they didn't, Castleford, uh, with their new coach, Danny Ward, and, and last the last match Danny Ward coached in Super League, coincidentally, was in 2019, when it was a relegation game between Wakefield and London Broncos, and Wakefield triumphed on that day, in London, despite a valiant season, Richard, I'm sure you'd agree, they, they, they'd... They had a great season that year, London, but just didn't manage to win that last game to stay up and the history of Super League might have been quite different if they had. I'm surprised it's taken Ward that long to get back
2: into Super League. It's um, I, I thought he made a real name for himself because, because London came up and weren't expected really to win to win much at all. They'd unexpectedly beaten Toronto in that million pound game. And they came up and they, they, they flew out of the traps, didn't they, at first? They did. A lot of it seemed to be down to Danny Ward. But I mean, obviously, I can't prove this, but I figured that Cass actually might turn up on uh, Thursday. Um, I just wonder, I know this might sound daft, but with Wakefield drawing level with them and then becoming favourites to stay up, I figured that just changed the dynamics a yes. bit. And then suddenly Castleford changed their coach, bringing Blake Austin. And it just, I, I felt that going into it, a, a lot had changed over the last couple of weeks. And, well, yes. Um,
1: and, and the thing is, of course, that... Back in 2006, when they played each other on the, in the last game yeah. of the season and, and Wakefield beat them and sent them down, Wakefield changed coaches with six games to go and brought mm. John Kear in. So in a strange sort of way, there's a serendipity there, isn't there? A word that Derek Beaumont um, <laughs> likes, where Castleford have now done it, brought Danny Ward in for the last six games. And I don't think there was much doubt that there was a, a much livelier spirit among the Castleford players than, than there has been under Andy Last. I mean, I like Andy Last as a guy. A great guy. Very very knowledgeable about the game technically. But I don't think Andy... I mean, coaches to me fall into one of two categories. They're either great technically or great motivators. And sometimes you get a combination of both, but, but not always. And I think Andy was a technical guy. Danny follows... You know John Keir in being a good motivator. I think, and and you could see that just the way they came out onto the pitch, the way they played, the way they addressed the game, um, and you know it was uh, they always looked as though they were going to win that mm. game. To I me. wonder if
2: being away from home might have just taken the pressure off as well. I might have. Been, I yeah, mean, look, yeah. w- w- Wakefield had home advantage in that game in in two thousand six, and so that's not a, but an absolute. there, But nevertheless, with it being the first game and they hadn't won for so long, I just wondered if that might have helped. Especially when when they started so well and then you get a bit bit of disquiet among the Wakefield But it was also great
1: to see Greg Eden scoring three tries. You know, Greg is one Mm. of my favourite players. Mm. Because, I mean, he can do some daft things sometimes. But when he's on form, he's tremendous as a winger. He's got great speed. He knows how to finish tries, which you saw with at least one of those he actually went through several defenders on his way to the line mm. <coughs> so I think you know it's great to see him playing well again and I believe come that back was his 150th injury. try as well He's yeah 150th try yes he yeah. needed three for it and he, he got them you know which was yeah. quite a remarkable feat so uh, great for him but of course the the difference between 2023 and 2006 is that that was the last game of the season this year, there are still mm. five games to go. Now, Wakefield have got three home games and two away games. Castleford have got two home games and three away games. And their first home game is against St. Helens. I think
2: Cassie's fixtures are slightly kinder, though. They've both
1: got to play mm. St. Helens at home, haven't yeah. They? Yeah. Um,
2: they? They've each got a tough one. One's got Catalans, one's got Wigan. Cass have got Wigan away. Yes. Um, but I just think Cass might look at those fixtures and just think there's more chance of... Well, another. I'm sure they will. But, but Wakefield will well, also. Well, they've certainly got the momentum now. Wakefield will not just need one more win; they'll also need a points difference they swing. Yeah. Um, so they'll they'll need to hope that Castleford. Get some thrashings, and and they yes. maybe when they lose that it's a bit closer. Which now looks unlikely, doesn't it? Let's face yeah, it. Yeah, because otherwise they're going to need four more
0: points than Castleford.
2: Yeah. get from well three, but
0: yeah. likely before. You could just see in the warm up. I think just the way Danny Ward was sort of walking around, it just felt different. You know, it just felt like yeah. there was a, a bit of confidence there in their body language, and I think you know that's where the game it was is. not it amazing
2: how just a change of coach can change so much? It, it's mm. just it's one thing that I don't think we can explain unless you've been in dressing rooms. It, it's just. You know, pe- People have this suspicion that maybe they weren't trying for the previous coach. I don't, I don't buy that. I, I just think that it, everything can change. When, if you change a coach at the right time and bring the right guy in, mm. it can just work. Miracles. Well, the thing
1: about Andy Last as well, when they had that series of defeats, Andy looked like a man who was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. Mm. And if that communicates to the players... I think that makes it very difficult for
2: Yeah, if if players stop believing you. When when people say lost the dressing room, that's another cliche Mm. that's really annoying. But I think when you maybe get to a stage where they don't quite believe in you as much, then a new guy comes in and they, for whatever reason, they they, they all, you know, yeah. Absolutely. You you, you can't explain it, but it's just something that's always been there. But coaches, clubs don't always get this right though. They sometimes sack a coach at the wrong time or bring in the wrong guy.
1: Absolutely. But but
2: in the same way that Wakefield did in 2006, just seemed to... Seem to have made a good decision, and how yeah. lucky that someone of Danny's calibre was was ready
0: and waiting to come in.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and with uh, many games left in the season, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few more twists and turns. Oh, uh, I think so ahead of the end of the season. So, but it, it will
2: be that. tough to see Wakefield recovering from this, though. I mean, mm-hmm. the twists and turns would imply that they'll get a win on the board quickly,
0: but. Yeah, with could the performance it. of the weekend. They yeah. want to play
1: Salford away this weekend, so, mm. um, you know, mm, that's yeah. that's a challenge for them.
0: Let's go to Salford. Uh, they bounced back with a 32-point-to-eight uh, defeat over Huddersfield. Uh, this is a, a good win for Salford, considering the form over the past few weeks. Um, what did you and a bad result going? for
1: Huddersfield as well. But mm. but the, the, the crucial thing for Salford was that um, if you looked at their team, they had their spine back in place. You know, it was the... Brilliant at full-back, Croft and Sneed, and then Andy Akers at hooker, mm-hmm. uh, which they've not played with for most of this season, to be honest. And and that was why they had such a good year last year, a consistent spine that only um, fell right at the very end of the season um, when Brodie Croft and Andy Akers, well, Brodie Croft w- was out of the last game and Andy Akers only lasted two minutes in it at St. Helens, if you remember. Um, but, you know, for, as long as they've got their top first, Choice spine. I think they're in with a, a great chance at Salford.
2: Hmm. Huddersfield are in a strange position, aren't they? That a few weeks ago they would have been looking at the bottom of the table, yes. panicking a bit, but they can also still make the playoffs. They if, can. Yeah, they're probably running out of games, but is it, are they just four points off? They can but, still do it. But yeah, five yeah. games—that left yeah. is probably not quite enough. But, probably not. Yeah. But
1: you know, the way that um, you know, there's Warrington and Hull KR um, stumbling a bit. Both sides probably. So the, there could still be room for. Another another side coming into the the top six who who are not there at the moment. There's a big logjam there, isn't there? There is, yeah. It's very exciting, actually. Mm. And uh,
0: it just seems to be the theme this year with how tight uh, the Super League has been. Absolutely. Again, wouldn't be surprised if we saw some more twists and turns heading towards playoffs. But um, Wigan, 13 defeat Hull FC, 12 uh, in extra time. Yeah, Uh, very
1: very unlucky were Hull, in my view, you know, and... uh, I mean, it got to about 75 minutes, and their captain Carlos Tumavavi, was uh, yellow carded for a dangerous tackle that that didn't look as dangerous as all that to me. Although he's since been suspended for two matches, so obviously the match review panel thought it thought it was dangerous. And um, after he was sent off, Wigan scored their third try to draw level. Um, Harry Smith couldn't convert any of the three tries. So it went into golden point time. and um, after a couple of attempts, um, Smith did it and kicked a field goal from more than 40 meters out, you know, which was uh, a great achievement, I think, and um, w- would earn him two points in the NRL, of course, Jake, yeah. but only gets him one point. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'd love to know which team has won most games in golden Point since we had it I, I, I maybe should have turned up to this with the actual start maybe, maybe that's what you'd expect but I, I don't yeah. have it but I'd, 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 I'd put a couple of quid on we, Wigan we'll,
1: yeah, I, we, I, I we'll, we'll check that out um, yeah. Richard yeah, because yes it would be an interesting one but just
2: we? on Hull I mean th- I think their fans will still be pleased because I think this is good signs for next season Oh yeah, not, not nothing really to play for this season and Tony Smith does have a, a habit of turning clubs around doesn't he the problem
1: for Hull is though that they are losing three key players Uh, Obviously, Adam Swift, who's, um, I think, going to Huddersfield, isn't he? Um, Jake Clifford, going back to the North Queensland Cowboys. And Chris Satai, who's going to the Catalan's Dragons. Now, those three players have been really significant for them this year. And, you know, to lose one of them would have been disappointing. But to lose three of them is... Is incredibly disappointing. Really, I would have thought, because you know they're going to be three hard plays, three plays. Yeah,
0: exactly right. Uh, moving on, we go St Helen's twenty-eight defeated Hull KR six. Uh, is this an example of a bit of a challenge cup hangover, or were Saints just too strong on the day?
1: I think I think it was a challenge cup hangover for for Hull KR. Um, I mean, it wasn't a great place to go the week after you'd lost the challenge cup final. Um, you were always going to struggle against St Helen's, but they did score a fantastic try. If you've seen the highlights of that game, Mikey Lewis's try was absolutely outstanding, and um, it came from a brilliant move downfield involving several players, and uh, you know, brilliant, a, br- a brilliant final pass and. Um, if they could have played like that the whole game, they'd have probably got a much better result, I would have thought.
2: I think the four men's teams who play at Wem- played at Wembley all lost, which does imply yeah. a, a hangover element. I is mean, there it goes to back be- to the point
1: I've made before. I wish the Challenge Cup final was... At the end of the season, yeah, the I heard you say that last final. week. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That that would be, especially if one team gets to both, yes. and that, that's very exciting. Isn't yes, it, it yeah. is, yeah. 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 And moving on to uh, the other side that took part in that Challenge Cup final, Lee Leopards uh, went down 30 points to 14 against Catalan's Dragons. Um, obviously, a strong performance by the Dragons, but I think Adrian Lamb, he even commented that, you know, this is a bit of an, an example of a Challenge Cup final
1: hangover. Oh, I think so. I mean, they obviously. It's difficult isn't it Um, because I I was talking to Adrian you know last week prior to that game and um, saying you know unlike if you win the grand final you've got months and months to celebrate it when you win the Challenge Cup final now you've You've only got a couple of days, it yeah, seems, Yeah, and that's it, right. it's 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 very yeah. difficult. But um,
2: I can think of instances where a team would win the cup on the Saturday, then they'd have to play a Super League match on the Tuesday, and they'd get thrashed. Yes, That, that, that happened to Leeds in '99, <laughs> I remember. But uh, yeah, I mean, what Lee have done this season will be remembered forever. But I'd, it'll take an, an incredible effort for them to. Uh, to, to, to well, assuming they go Catalans in the playoffs to to go win that, I, I think that this is their season. They've won the cup. And, Again, it was and a tough it. it was a
1: it was a tough ask for them, wasn't it? To, yeah. to play Catalans the week after the cup final. Yeah. But you know they were winning at half time and and then they just run out of gas. It seems. And and Catalans are a formidable side this year. They 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 really are. And um, they look like strong favourites to get to the grand final, don't they? Which which be, which will be an interesting one because um. You know, it makes it a difficult sell for um, spectators, particularly when there's only a week between the semi-finals and the grand final.
2: Mm. And the thing for me with um, the Catalans is Sam Tompkins. He's only got a handful of games left now. What we're writing my Wigan book, one thing that yeah. you know, all these guys are legends, and we sometimes don't appreciate until they've finished or many years later. But but Sam Tompkins, what a, a career he's had. What yeah. an absolutely great fella, amazing to to interview. And uh, yeah, he's he's probably only going to play. A handful
0: more games in this country. That's a real shame. Yeah, yeah, certainly, is. certainly. And, uh, you know, these days, well, this end of the season, it's the business end. And I think there's a lot of players that are probably struggling to get by weekend to weekend uh, with niggling injuries. You throw in some celebrations after a Challenge Cup final win. With that, it's going to be very <laughs> hard to recover for the following weekend. So, what are you
2: suggesting? <laughs> these guys are professionals.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, alcohol makes the uh, body uh, recover a lot longer I guess um, but yeah moving on we had the Leeds Rhinos 24 uh, defeat the Warrington Wolves 22 this is a bit of a crushing defeat I think for the Wolves um, I
1: think it's their 8th successive defeat isn't it yeah which, they, which, they which, were which,
0: competitive
2: at least they, 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 sure. was, the, the result was in the balance wasn't it mm. yeah so, but it's, a,
1: it's, yeah. it's an, there's an interesting symmetry isn't there, there they had 8 straight wins at the start of the season yeah. No, yeah. they've had eight straight defeats. It's know. the problem
2: with podcasts because if you find a podcast from two months ago, you'll have people saying, "Oh, isn't Darrell Powell doing a great job?" Yeah. And yeah, isn't yeah. it going to be their year? Absolutely, or, you know, yeah. that, this yeah. is. Uh It's a mug's game, it's predicting, isn't it? Absolutely, um, yeah. What an incredible up up and down year their supporters have had.
0: Yeah, well, it reminds me of my Broncos from last year. I think they were a top four with about six or seven rounds to go last year and then lost every game consecutively into the finals and missed out. They were ninth spot, so... It's it's hard to imagine Warrington... Well, somebody said to
1: me yesterday, I think it was, that um, Warrington Wolves are the rugby league equivalent of a football club like Tottenham Hotspur, you know, who... Mm. Who were always threatened to, yeah, you know, yeah. should win loads of trophies, but but never do, mm. you know. It, uh, and we can all think of clubs from different sports. I think that, I think
2: Warrington and Hull are quite similar clubs, aren't they? Mm. They've had they've had Challenge Cup successes, but they've got the stadiums, they've got the money, but for whatever reason, just just you know whether the the squad is balanced right and there's coaching decisions as well. Mm. Just don't seem to be able to ever look like super. League yeah, winners. but I would
1: love to know why it didn't work out for Daryl Powell at Warrington because you know I've got great respect for Daryl. He's a very smart guy, but it just didn't happen for him, did it? And uh, the, the the curious thing about about that is that if you look at Lee's Challenge Cup winning side of the seventeen players who represented Lee at Wembley, five of them were ex Warrington players, mm. recent ex played for Warrington last season, mm. you know, and Warrington let them all go. And that does say something about somebody's judgment at Warrington, doesn't it? I think.
2: Well, again, people can just go from one club to another and just look totally revitalised, yes. and, and other players can just fall off a cliff going from one, yeah, yeah. one club to another. It, it's this strange dynamics that we it don't is. quite understand. Um, yeah. Just there.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we'll see if Sam Burgess can turn it all around next year and oh, I can't see wait what for he that. can bring to the can't club. Wait for that. It's yeah. going to be
1: fascinating, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah bloody hell.
1: I uh, mean, it's, it's interesting. Just just on Sam, it's interesting that um, as as the listeners may know. Um, there's some dispute at South Sydney at the moment where he's an assistant coach with Sam and John Morris, his fellow assistant coach, apparently feeling very unhappy at the kid glove treatment that Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker are getting from the head coach, Jason Demetriu. And um, the news seems to be that they've been suspended from their, from, from their duties, um, either temporarily or permanently, uh, for criticising... Demetriu in in public it seems and you know which sort of almost oh, I, I just wonder whether that might mean that Burgess might come here before next season you mm. know might come for the last few games of the season which would be really quite interesting mm. wouldn't it if that happened yeah, I think, absolutely. I think
2: Burgess is probably the nearest the modern game has got to Ellery Hanley. Not not just as great loose forwards, but also their personality yes. and their ability. I that assume charisma. to just walk into a room and they will just be, you know, everybody will just be like, well, everybody walks looks in at in them. The room. Yeah, Matty John said that about Malcolm really, and that's why yeah. he was the best coach he ever had. Yeah. Um, but these these appointments don't always work though the great players don't always turn into great coaches no, do they so no, no, no idea but it's so
0: it's very good for the competition that is happening I think it certainly <laughs> is know. yeah it's really interesting what's going on at Seas at the moment too because they have lost a few games in a row and there has been evidence and replays shown of just little effort areas where our Latrell Mitchell and Cody uh, Walker have come up short so I think it's worrying signs for the Seas and no one's immune to accountability in a club environment. So if, no. if that's true, they've come forward and... Uh, well, accusing there's a lot to run in that story, Dimitrio. isn't there? Is yeah.
1: What you're saying, I think.
0: Mm. And the other thing too I find interesting will be what's going to happen because obviously we know Russell Crowe has a very close relationship with Sam Burgess. I can't see Sam Burgess being shown the door without Russell Crowe's permission. So, mm. um, And John Morris also, like he's a promising up-and-coming uh, future head coach. He's mm. been... You know, He's linked rate.
1: with West Tigers, Benjamin Marshall, isn't
0: he? Yeah, which would be a great pickup for the West Tigers, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very interesting times, and it looks like CS are in danger of dropping out of the finals race completely. In
1: great danger, I would have said. Yeah, yeah, It's a big risk for
2: Burgess as well, though, taking this job. I mean, people are looking at it from Warrington's point of view. But, of course... Burgess has lived in Australia for a long time now. Apart from the the you know playing for England rugby union, that didn't last long. Mm. It's a big big risk for him because you know if, if he goes the same way as Darrell Powell, because mm. it's not just a reflection on the coach's ability; it's a reflection on the club and where they are and what what sort of club they are. Mm. And if if you know if he just doesn't find anything at Warrington to his liking and that the, you know it just doesn't work out, there's a real clash there. Then it sets his own coaching career mm. back. I there. mean, it's extraordinary. Isn't I don't way? think
1: Warrington have won the championship for. Something like 60s. It's it 1955. 1955, mm. yeah. I mean, for a club of their size. Yeah, it's incredible. That's an incredible statistic, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: And the the thing about the Sam Burgess appointment is you can uh, draw some contrasting similarity or some similarities, I should say, rather than uh, with uh, Benji at the West Tigers at the moment. Uh, that's other news. We've seen Tim Sheen stand mm. down from his head coaching role with the Tigers. He was meant to be in that position until the end of 2024 or twenty twenty five, I believe yeah. um, and that was a, a mentor sort of to teach Benji Marshall the ropes to take over following his departure but mm. that's come a year early uh, I just wonder whether they're throwing Benji Marshall in the deep end uh, the oh moment. I
1: think Benji's probably ready for the job but um, you know he's, he, he obviously he's had that year under Tim and um yeah, I, th- I think I think Benji's a very single-minded sort of a guy who will dedicate himself to success, as, as he did as a player, of course.
2: But your great players rarely yeah. make it, though, and 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 well, yeah, play, players who were like Benji, I think, I don't
0: know, maybe.
1: Well, it remains to be seen. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah, and I think that there's a deeper issue at the Tigers with their board, and there's been a lot of controversy over the years about. Few board members needing to stand down and refusing to stand down. Obviously, they're a merger club as well. Yeah. So, there's people that have come from that Western suburbs background and, and Balmain Tigers background. So, it seems like there's a little bit of friction there. It's incredible
2: that that can still be happening, though. I mean, they won the yeah. competition as West Tigers in 2005. It's amazing. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not disputing is. that that is happening, but it's amazing if it is. But yeah. they,
0: they have the separate clubs, don't they, at, at various Yeah, even in like, the New South, South Wales the, Cup, yeah, like, they still have yeah. the, uh, Western Suburbs uh, mm. competing. So, yeah, I mean... We can't see what's going on behind closed doors. We can only, you know, make our observations yeah. from the yeah. outside looking. But in, they do so. seem
1: to have a fairly good stable of young players at West Tigers now. Mm. But again, you know, they're, they're signing Aidan Caesar, aren't they, from mm. from Leeds. And uh, I think Aidan's 32 now, so there's no spring chicken. Um, obviously, fairly short-term signing. Uh, but maybe his experience will, 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 will be good for the side, particularly when they're uh, losing Luke Brooks to, um, to Manley. Yeah. So, you know, who knows?
0: Exactly right. Now, Martin, just before you walked in the door today, um, there's been a little bit of news that's broken around the TV rights going forward and the new TV deal. Can you mm. give us any information at the well, moment on that? Well,
1: it's not been at, the, at this moment. Um, I mean, I think the news is about to be formally released at any moment as we're speaking. Uh, but it looks as though the deal is a three year deal for about £23 million a year with Sky Sports. Now the current deal is a two-year deal for twenty-four million pounds a year, so it looks as though it's a million pounds a year less, and yet they've signed a three-year deal. Now, um, I've not got any more details at this stage. We, we in particular, we don't know whether Channel Four are going to continue broadcasting matches. Or, or, you know, they, they, they've been they've been doing ten matches um, uh, during the the current Sky deal. Um, and I hope, they, I hope they carry on. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's a remarkably disappointing deal to um, come up with. Um, particularly when um, the previous deal, the, 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 the deal that's completed this year, um, was so far down on what, what was uh, paid in the previous five years. If, if you remember, that was £40 million pounds a year. So it went from 40 million a year to 24 million a year. and now it's gone down to 23 million a year. That's a terrible situation. And the, 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 the problem is that the people who run our sport have, it seems to me at least, made absolutely no effort to devise a strategy to boost the broadcasting deal, you know in, in, in that time. Um, Nigel Wood, when he was the chief executive of the RFL, he negotiated that £40 million a year deal. And, um, you know, with he had a very strong relationship with Barney Francis, who was at the, at the time the MD of Sky of, of Sky Sports. Um, Barney Francis has since moved on, as has Nigel Wood, of course. Um, but the new people, even when they're assisted by IMG, don't seem to have delivered the goods, as far as I can see. And I'm not sure whether this deal was negotiated by IMG or w- whether it's been negotiated um, by um, Rugby League Commercial under the leadership of Rodri Jones but whoever's done it um, I mean they've, they've tried to sugar the pill a bit by saying the original offer was 17 million pounds a year and they've managed to negotiate it upwards to 23 million but even so you know that's that's not a great outcome, I don't think.
2: Twenty eight years ago, it was eighty seven million. Although f- that was for five years. For five but years, yes. at, um, yeah. That that was a huge amount of money, wasn't it? In those well, days, and that, yes. and that was twenty eight years ago. That's and and, it, and to
1: be blunt about it, Richard, we've wasted it really. Yeah, you know, we, we've we've not. The 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 point is that if you're going to grow a business or grow an organisation or grow a sport, you have to use some of the income you earn to invest in, you know shoring it up in future ensuring the future of the, the the game
2: it's almost as though they should have had something like framing the future prepared or, oh, yes. <laughs> or they well, shouldn't have put it in the yeah,
1: bin <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, absolutely but, but you know you've got to you've you, you've, you've got to invest in, in 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 marketing you've got to be smart you've got to you know you've, you've got to use for example in the modern era social media to to garner more interest in the game but I don't know, I I might be just a bit blind, but I don't see anybody from the RFL or Super League um, doing anything that will expand the base of support for the game. You know, maybe, do you see anything, James? There's nothing or, like
2: Bullmania, is there? No, but, no. But, but, but Bradford did put so much money into that. It did. wasn't just a cheap thing. They, they, no. I seem to remember they, they got their first installment of money and they put about 150 grand straight into marketing the club. They did, they it, did. It was, a, it was a big thing to and do, it that it worked, was, yeah. it
1: worked, that's the point. Yeah. You know, you you spend that money on marketing and it works. Uh, I mean, as, as, as one um, one of our readers wrote a letter to League Express last week and said, you know, the solution is to... Clone Derek Beaumont and put him at every club you know and, <laughs> and that might be the that might be the solution who knows but a
2: year ago who would have thought that or two years no. ago or three you know it's, he's got it right now yes but, oh gosh um, yes
1: yeah well he said he, he actually um, you know texted me and, um, and, and thanked me for what I wrote about him in the immediate aftermath of the Challenge Cup and he was particularly pleased by the fact that I wrote you know Lee are not an overnight success unless you think that 10 years of hard work can be encapsulated in 24 hours Mm. you know and and that's true and people forget he first came on the scene in 2013 so it's actually been quite Mm. a long journey for him not you know he's not you know, a, a new boy on the block, so to speak.
2: We need characters like that, but when they come along, we tend to not approve of them. Oh, the, gosh, yes. the, the game, The game as a whole has a habit of not liking people oh, like Oh, it's Derek. very conservative, and, isn't it? But but also players, players mm. with big personalities down the years have generally not been approved of, and it's yeah. just this weird thing that we're crying out for personalities and then we don't tend to treat them particularly well mm. when they come along. But, I mean, if you want to talk about the game's ills, I mean, there's, there's obviously money, what you say, but you know, we have a governing body that have got the vast majority wrong. Of the, you know, of their big decisions, mm. going all the way back to Maurice Lindsay, and, and we're sort of paying the price now for for, for for mistakes that he made and that Lewis and Wood and you know made as well down the years. We, we need to rip up our structure every three years and, and start again because mm. the previous ones all failed. Um, so it is partly money, but it's also partly just incompetence at uh, at, at the highest Looking level. Looking for the going.
1: magic bullet, Richard, all the time. Yeah. You know. Yeah,
2: and it's, you know, if, if I, I mean, this might sound a little bit downbeat, but if you, if you just consider that rugby league is a small regional sport with not enough money, not enough fans, not enough players and try and work around that or try and at least improve those things. But you, 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 whether you have promotion relegation or, or whether you have licensing or whether you have Super 8s or whether you have whatever it is they want to introduce, those core things don't change. No, um, and so I, you know, I'm not sure whatever whatever structure will work.
1: The thing that's disappointing for me about the game at the moment, and about this potential new deal that we've been talking about, is that the World Cup last year was supposed to be a you know a, a generational event, wasn't it? It was supposed to um, get far more people interested in rugby league, and it. And it didn't, quite frankly, I don't think.
2: Well, it, it, a lot of people engage with I mean, the women in wheelchair, I think a lot of people engage with those things for the first time. And those World Cups were very, very good. Um, but I, I mean, I partly think it's maybe been a victim of its own success that staging that is now so expensive that unless you get that 25 million quid from the government, mm. and no one can really pull it off. And that's no. why we've had to go back to just hosting a bilateral Ashes series instead the, the obvious reason being that it's far cheaper to just fly one team over than Absolutely. Than, than a dozen or more you know when you consider the different formats yeah. I, th- I thought the World Cup was fantastic but we, we, we don't know how many new people came along but but it's never it, it, it we've, we've taken events to places as one-offs I think it's unrealistic to think that those people for example who went to Newcastle to watch England thrash Samoa will then just become rugby league fans and will go and watch Newcastle Thunder. That's, no. that's not realistic. It doesn't nothing. work like that, though, does no. it? It, it, it? It just doesn't. So I have some sympathy for the game in that respect. Um, but yeah, it's,
0: it, it, it's a real shame what's happened with the World Cup. Mm. And Martin, I noticed in your article this week, you did touch on the Women's World Cup and the success it's seeing in Australia mm. at the FIFA moment. FIFA Women's World Cup, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And um, what we can learn as a sport from that success. Um, mm. What are some of the things you touched on in your article?
1: Well, the first thing is you've got to have competitive games, you know, and, and soccer's really good at that, isn't it? You know, it, because power isn't a part of playing association football, um, you very rarely get deeply one-sided games. So that um, in the Women's World Cup, I think there maybe were one or two one-sided scorelines. I think there was one 5 nil and maybe even one 7-0. I can't quite remember who who was on the receiving end of those games? But um, but the vast majority of games were very tightly contested. Um, so that's the first thing. People will turn up to watch a game, a sport that they think is going to you know be really competitive. Um, and and the thing that follows on from that is that you can then market those games very well because you can deliver what people are looking to to see. You know, we for example. Um, in, in our World Cup last year, um, we had matches being played at Super League grounds, like St. Helens, for example. I think Australia played, um, who was it at St. Helens? I, was, it, was it Scotland? or who, who was in their group? I can't quite remember. No, Italy, I think. I think they played Italy at, at St. Helens. Now, for a normal St. Helens game in the Super League, you, you, you can get a seat for 25 or 30 quid. They were asking 80 quid for us to, to go and sit in a seat to watch Australia v Italy. Now, the fact is, everybody, all your potential market knew that that was not going to be a contest, really. So it's very difficult to sell those games like that for, for a premium price. I think the
2: RFL would respond to that, or the international body would respond to that by saying that if, if, if the All Blacks were in town playing anyone, they could charge what they want and we all know the All Blacks would win but oh, the All Blacks would but, fill
1: St. Talons yeah, against but, a minnow
2: yeah but the kangaroo brand has never been built the up kangaroo in the kangaroo brand land, isn't strong it, enough because they, they don't play enough games No, and and to be honest they actually don't win as many games as you'd think they, they, they've been runner up to New Zealand in approximately off the top of my head four major competitions since 2004 and mm. mm unfortunately no, never to us no. but, um, so, so, but But they have this thing that they're so much better than everyone else and they, they sort of don't want to play but just touching again on the women's the women's world cup shows the, the, the that's where the in my opinion, the growth potential is for rugby league, the women's game, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be maximised. I don't think the RFL have got
1: the scale. But again, what's interesting about the that. women's World Cup, Richard, is that it, it again the Australians completely dominated it, didn't they? Well, um, no, they, and, and they, they probably the, will do the, it. In the, the group
2: game against New Zealand that they were pushed close in every World Cup. But they Australia. In the final though. No, true. no, no, but they, yeah, but. In every World Cup, Australia has one bad performance in them. I think men mm. and women, This is a theory I have. And in 2008, they saved that bad performance for the final against a team that was good enough to take advantage. Yes. In 2017, they saved it for the final, but we weren't quite good enough to take advantage. No. They can be beaten in World Cups,
1: um, but yeah, you, you, you're right about that. I, I, I. I mean, the women. What's interesting about um, Australian women's rugby league is the NRLW has now got 10 teams and the standard is outstanding in my view. I don't know whether you've watched Yeah, it is. The,
2: the, the three English girls are over there doing, oh, doing yeah, pretty well. Oh, yeah, they're playing they, their partner. So do, I think it's very well. similar to the men's game where our best players can go over mm. and, and do well, get started. Maybe we need and, more of and, our players doing that, actually. Well, the, 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 there seems to be a never-ending... One thing that's good about the women's game is that when Leeds and Saints both needed a batch of new players this season... They they basically just turned to their under nineteens, and both yeah. teams got to Wembley, and you wouldn't get that in the men's game. No. So the women on that basis might close the gap a bit quicker than the men's. Let's hope so. Because you're not just bringing in three or four Aussies to fill your gaps; you're mm. bringing in nineteen and twenty year olds. But the, the, the women had a great should have had a great chance in the last World Cup. No injuries whatsoever, no. which is absolutely incredible. But you had a coach who just wanted to pick the smallest pack of forwards available. No, no, it was thing.
1: very sad because that semi final at York. Yeah, for me that was the highlight of the whole World Cup last year. That women's game against New Zealand, mm. England v New Zealand, and England couldn't just couldn't quite do it. Well, do with the, with the
2: pack of forwards picked, it was. I mean, they're, no, they're, they're all very good forwards, but you have to pick some size. Mm. And it's that that was just so bizarre what the, he did. Picking, did we picking second rows at prop, and mm. you know, but there
0: you are. Yeah, and I hope that some of the investment that's been seen, uh, you know, down in Australia and New Zealand in the women's game, hopefully that can inspire. You know, our governing body's here to show that same investment. But like I
2: say about where the growth potential is, it can go from a very low level to a very high level very quickly. But, I mean, playing at Wembley, the cup final, I mean, that's fantastic. But 8,000 were they? have got to be a bit disappointed by that. And mm. it's still hovering around the high hundreds for the big the big league games. Mm. I, I still don't think it's, it's being marketed at all, really, by the RFL. Well, the,
1: they've they've you know, all got to do a better job, haven't they? The
2: players are all happy, though. The players yeah. all seem delighted with the chance to play at Wembley oh, and yeah. using the great facilities. But I just think when you look at how women's sport is massive in, what, in other sports, and then you compare it to... We, we haven't just moved ahead. We have not It hasn't moved on as, no. as much as it has in other sports. You couldn't imagine us
0: filling the big stadiums that other sports can
1: no. now do for, no. for, for
0: big games and internationals. Mm. And unfortunately, I think in, in Australia, uh, in the men's game at the moment, the sad reality is there's a lot of young players out there that they've almost prioritised pulling on a maroon or a blue jersey over a, pulling on the Australian jersey, which baffles me because that's the highest honour uh, for a, an Australian mm. coming through playing rugby league. And I think that, and Malman Ingers came and he's tried to change that sort of culture over the past few years. So hopefully going forward with more investment in the international game, uh, with more fixtures each and every well, year. We, well, we, see that
1: that's right. We whichever. might want to talk about, you know, the new tournament that's going to happen in um, the Southern Hemisphere this year with Australia, New Zealand and Samoa playing in a three-sided tournament and then PNG, Samoa, um, not PNG, Fiji and Cook Islands uh, in, in, in a separate tournament. You know, uh, at least the Australians are going to be there again, aren't they? That's mm. That's a positive thing, I think. And thank goodness the CBA dispute now seems to have been resolved one of the
2: great things down under is that Samoa and Tonga have become very competitive on the basis that mm. anyone who qualifies has been persuaded to play for them and I remember in 2007 sitting down with Nigel Vangana and he told me what he wanted to do and I didn't believe that it was going to happen I didn't no. believe that that great first graders who qualified for both New Zealand and Samoa would choose Samoa and it's happened and then and the Tongans followed suit without
1: obviously weakening and, New Zealand well or Australia. Yeah, he would have
2: done a bit but but exactly. Um, but over here, we did the opposite. By scrapping Great Britain, it just meant that anyone who qualified for Ireland, Scotland or Wales, who was also good enough to play for England, was always going to play for England. Yeah. And that time, 23 years ago, when we had the likes of O'Connor, McDermott, Joint, Martin, Connolly, Lowe's, etc., all playing for Ireland, Wales and Scotland also had really good players playing for them, because they knew that a year later they could play in an Ashes series for Great Britain. That's gone. And we killed that ourselves. Absolutely. And Ireland, Scotland, the Wales have always been championship standard and now. the really
1: weird thing is that the next Ashes series will still be England, won't it? Yeah. It won't be Great Britain. What's the logic of that?
2: Well, if, it, if people will say, oh, but it's the same teams. But my argument is if you go back to the 2001 Ashes under the old system, you had several island internationals like McDermott, O'Connor, Joint mm-hmm. Connolly playing for Great Britain. Um, you have to like for example uh, Craig Hall could have played 40 odd times for Wales yet he never did because he was just waiting for that one England cap that never came Mm. because under the current system playing for England is too attractive and and playing for the other Wales, Scotland, Ireland just isn't attractive enough. No. Um, and that's what happened when they scrapped Great Britain and it was such a mistake. And
1: it was. And, and it was and Richard Lewis's doing, actually, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, mm.
0: yeah. And it's funny, in the NRL at the moment, or back home, there's a lot of uh, controversy around the eligibility rules. Obviously, we have seen with Samoa that you've got players like Brian Toto, um Blue Eye, um, you know, Stephen Crichton, uh, all playing for Samoa but also representing the Blues at the mm. same time and... It's because the the tier system. So if you're a tier one team, you can't do that. But if you're a tier two, you can. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Tonga and Samoa going forward. Because I think they'll
1: resist being moved up to tier one. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Well, they can't they can't ruin that.
0: Mm. If
2: if they make these players choose between state of origin and, and Tonga Samoa, that's going to be such a shame. Yeah, it will. That's right. Yeah. The, the, the Aussies have had too much of a stranglehold over this. Mm. You know, it's yeah no exactly offense. right. No, no, that's fine. Mate. <laughs> I, I definitely see
0: it. like seeing more competition in the international game. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll move on to some other news. Um, Ian Watson he's called for an investigation into the six again real uh, a bit recently. Um, I know for me I find that you know a six again real, isn't that much of a reward once you've been you know, held down an attack oh, I'd much prefer take a kick for the touch and uh, advance my way up the field um, I guess what are your thoughts on this Martin and should there be an investigation into the 6th game well
1: it never does any harm to uh, keep reviewing things does it and I think he's, he's particularly annoyed by what happens on the first tackle you know the, the, the first tackle um, a, a team can hold down an opponent and until a few years ago, they would have given away a penalty by doing that. Now they just give away a six again. But when it's on the first tackle, that's not much of a deterrent, is it? So, you know, I think I think his suggestion, if I understand it properly is that it should revert to being a penalty on the first tackle. Mm. And I, I agree with him on that. I think that's a, a very sensible idea.
2: I mean, it all goes back to the fact that new rules come in all the time, what, on average, four without or five a year, through. without really a lot of them being thought through. Yeah. and A lot gets scrapped, a lot get modified. And, and the bigger picture is, is that the game looks completely different every five years to what it in did course. look like. And that's why you lose fans. Yeah.
1: Mm. yeah well, absolutely. it's one reason, yes. Yeah, the, yes. Yes, it's a complex, um, a complex thing, isn't it? Why, why, why does Rugby League lose fans? in a way that... Safe. How long have you got?
2: Mm. Should, we, should we book a, a hotel we'll, we'll we talk about up, this for we? the next 24 hours? Yeah. I mean, look, the, the, as far as I'm concerned, if, if I, I reckon there have been a hundred rule changes since the mid-90s because it's roughly four five, mm. or five or, or sometimes more a year. If I could press a button and go back to how the game was then, I would, I would unhesitatingly do it because, mm. you know, the 40-20's been good, the corner flag being removed from part of play that's been good it's hard to think of many others that mm. have really been that good and i think i think mm. the game ultimately has suffered from too many rule changes and fans suffer because if you're a casual fan and you go to maybe one or two games a year like a big derby then you don't know the rules. Mm. No. So when you talk about six again, I bet there are people who have got no idea what that is mm. and the hooter goes. What's that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Particularly yeah. when you're at the ground, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's not explained to you, is it, in, in, yeah. in any sense? Yeah. So yeah, I agree but with that. But we always
2: used to, we always used to love the fact that our code of rugby was the simple one and rugby union was the complex one.
1: Mm. And we, we, if we
2: change, again, this, this year, November, December, we'll get an email saying there's been another four
0: rule changes. But mm. well, if, if it doesn't happen, it's the first one. <laughs> it's the first time since yeah. Greg McCallum came over here in the mid 90s. Yeah. And we've had uh, a few fans in uproar over the past few weeks. There's been a big crackdown on pressuring the passer, pressuring the kicker, and uh, you know, contact after they've you know, gotten rid of the ball. Um, the refs seem to be cracking down really hard on, on this at the moment. Um, what well, we saw that in time? the cup final, didn't we? Elliot yeah.
1: Minchella being yellow carded mm-hmm. um, for a, a, a late hit on Lachlan. Or was it Lachlan Mamma? Or was it. Um Ben Reynolds. Okay, Ben Reynolds. Ben Reynolds yeah. yeah, yeah, Ben Reynolds. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's very important to protect kickers, and I do think any late challenge on them should be penalised at the very least. Whether it should always be a uh, a yellow card or not, I'm I'm more dubious about. Um, it's interesting that. In that case, um, Minchella didn't get a... Or did he get a suspension? Or was it... Did he got a one game, didn't he, I think? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, well, A suspension
2: yeah. implies it should have been a red card, just logically. Yes, it does, The yeah. other thing is, I mean, they, they bring these crackdowns in mid-season mm. and then something like that happens in a cup final. Mm. Just random crackdowns yeah. will come along and then a lot of them, again, just get forgotten about a few weeks later. They often come in at the start of a season. If you're a coach
1: or a player, you need to know the rules at the start of the season and you need to know they're not going to change.
2: One of my favourite rugby league stories is when the 10-metre rule came in. It was two months into the season and, and all the coaches just got a phone call one Monday morning saying this weekend you're going to play 10 metres rather than five. That, that was, and that's the biggest rule change since the introduction of limited yeah, tackles, That Yeah, that was a Morrissey special.
0: Which also came in mid-season. Yeah, know, you
1: know,
0: yeah. You think about how much it's, more speed you can get up over that five-metre period. Like, yeah. sure. But
2: isn't it incredible how much it changed the game? Cause yeah. It just, yeah. It just opens it, just, it right
0: up, you know? Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see. And I agree with you, Martin. I think the penalty is sufficient enough, uh, but some of these uh, 10 in the Bins in Bins we've been seeing have been mm. quite I ridiculous. Think, I think there's a lack
2: of understanding from... from Certain people maybe who come up with these rules of, of, of how big a punishment a sin binning is. Mm. I remember Challenge Cup semi-final in 07 when Stacey Jones got sin binned for delaying a tap restart and it nearly cost Catalan Dragons the game because Wigan in that 10 minutes scored mm. two or three tries and it was incredible that that could have been... People listening to this will say, well, he shouldn't have done it, but the punishment's got to fit the crime. Yeah, And a sin bin, you can score realistically
1: you see, three, you, two th- or three th- tries. You, you could potentially, if you think about it seriously... You could potentially have a much more graded system of punishments. For example, um, you could yellow card a player, and that player, like Minchella in the cup final, could leave the field for 10 minutes. But you could potentially bring another player on in place of him so that it's the, the player who's committed the offence who suffers, but not the team as a whole. Mm. And similarly with a, a red card, There's there's no particular reason why if a player gets sent off uh, it should always mean that from that point the team has to play with 12 men. You know, the punishment could just be that that player's out of the game, um, but the, the team could still play with 13 men on the pitch, but it's just that that player who's been sent off plays no further part in it. I floated that idea
2: once and got very little support there. I'm sure you did, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, no, I, I agree. I, yeah. I agree, but... but now we are seeing more instances of teams winning despite having a red card.
1: Oh, but yes. there was a
0: period where it was virtually impossible yeah. and, unless you were the best team playing the worst team then mm. you could never get away with it. I'd like to see a real change where a player is you know, sin-binned until uh, that team scores a try. So you could be off for five minutes yeah. and the opposite team could have that 13 on 12 advantage. As soon as someone crosses the line and scores, then that player can come back on or another mm. player can come One back on. One of my... Sorry. Yeah, you know, One on of my
2: worst rugby league memories is Workington going down to Leeds in the cup, Challenge Cup quarterfinal, 95. And, and after half an hour, we'd held them, and there was only a couple of points in it. And then Ellery Hanley got sin-binned, and we celebrated that like it was a try. Because Workington had Ellery Hanley off the field and a man advantage, 10 minutes far off half time. And in the time he was off, Leeds scored three tries. Oh, wow. So yeah. it's not always an advantage for some reason. No, no, weird, I think coaches will, will practice how to play with 12 men because mm. you can tell teams who have been well-drilled in it and teams maybe sometimes just don't quite know what to do, whether they've got 12
0: or the opposition have got 12, you, you can mm. sometimes mm. lose your head a little bit. Mm. That's the thing. I think these days when a team is attacking a line that has 12 men, the fullback defends in the line anyway, so there's no real difference, mm. but one way you can get them is a little grubber in behind if the fullback's not there to cover. But, um, yeah, I think it's a, it can be a huge game-changer when one of your key players is sent off. Um, now, this week... Uh, there's been a few reports circling that Lachlan Miller, uh, the young former rugby sevens uh, Australian player who signed, he went with the Sharks originally, then moved to Newcastle at the start of this year, and they had an experiment where they put Calen Ponga to five-eight, which didn't uh, didn't go too well. And now has seen Calen Ponga return to fullback and seen the Knights return to form Lachlan as Miller. well. Yeah, well, he's, um, he's a
1: very fast player, and you right. know, I think a very good one. So I think that could be quite a good signing for Leeds.
0: Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, it looks like he's almost lost his spot in that night side and and he Mm. was uh, one of the best players in the comp at the start of the year. So if Leeds could pick him up, I think next year that would be a a tremendous signing. Yeah, playing a full buck, yeah. But yeah, I think that's pretty much most of the news uh, from this week. Is there anything else that um, rings a bell that you might want to talk about, Martin?
1: No, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot of ground there. Um, Thanks, Jake. And Richard, thanks for your contribution. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, perhaps we can move on to a new discussion um, in a few moments, about the um, Richard's book.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Well, we'll uh, end this part here. Um, obviously, stay tuned for the uh, next episode with Richard on his new book. Um, it's one you're not going to want to miss, especially for the rugby historians uh, out there and uh, Wigan fans, of course. So uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget you can uh, listen to this or, or watch it on YouTube. Uh, you can also find this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, go and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have a, a spare moment total RL and uh, yeah we look forward and to taking out again. a
1: subscription to League Express as well of course exactly which, uh, right you know, we ought to mention
0: we have to mention that that's right right well thanks gents uh, we'll see you in the next one
1: thank you